morning, everyone. Morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Sam. Um, and I have the privilege of being the children and youth pastor here. Um, I am going to veto in advance to the whole staff team a Father's Day video because I'm scared of what my children would say. Um, so we're just going to veto that in advance. Um, to, yeah, yeah, it would not go well. Right. Um, for those of you who are visiting or have perhaps missed a couple of Sundays with us, we are in the middle of a series in the book of Galatians. Um, okay, so what I thought would be good, would be helpful, is if I summarised a little bit to start off with what we've looked at so far um, and then we will jump in. I'm going to invite Nathan up. Nathan is going to come and he's going to do the reading for us. Um, so I'm going to invite Nathan to come up as well. Um, but just as we, as we start, so the book of Galatians was written um, to a church in Galatia. Um, which is kind of in the province of, it's in Asia, um, sort of thing. And the, what had been going on within the church is that there'd been a load of non-Jewish people had become Christians, um, and so they had been, they'd heard the gospel, the, the news about Jesus coming and dying for their sins, um, so that they could be with God. And then what had happened is, after Paul had left, after some of these people that had first shared the gospel with them had left, some Jewish people had come in and said, yes, but you also need to go through all of these other rules. And if you don't follow these rules, you can't really be saved. And so Paul is writing a letter to them to basically completely undermining that view. Okay, So what we've kind of looked at so far is that, that, that Paul is saying that we are, we are made right with God, not through anything we do, but through our faith in Jesus. That that is the only way we could be made right with God. We've um, Richard very helpfully gave us the equation, the sum that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Okay, so we've looked at that. We've looked at how the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift um, to guarantee what we've received in faith um, and that faith then works itself out in obedience in our lives. Okay, so we're looking at that. So we are going to look this morning at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Um, to chapter 4, verse 7. Um, so if you have your Bible, I would please do open that um, as we read it together. And I'm just going to invite Nathan to come up now um, and to read this for us. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, uh, according to promise. Sons and heirs, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we are children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into the hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are heir through God. Yes, please do give him a round of applause because that was a lot to get through. 
Thanks, Nathan. Okay, so what is great is that if this is your first Sunday here, if this is your, if you are a guest this morning, or if you have missed the Galatians series so far, it's a good Sunday to be here because these verses that we've just read summarize everything that Paul has said so far. Okay, so if we were to summarize everything that Paul has written so far in this letter, and potentially all that Paul writes about, is that our adoption as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, is the climax of the gospel. Okay, so another way of saying is that the intended conclusion of the finished work of Jesus is that we may all be sons and daughters of God in his presence forever. That that is the climax of the gospel. That is the point. That is the intended conclusion of what Jesus accomplishes on the cross. And so what this then happens is I'm, I'm going to ask, I, I don't know if my PowerPoint's come up. If it, it might not, um, but I, I created a, a, a flow chart um, to kind of help us get, get through the concepts of what Paul is saying, because Paul is outlining within these verses kind of the shape of the Christian life. Okay, so the shape of the Christian life, the way that it works, what happens within us when we become Christians, that Paul is outlining this. Okay, and so this is my, my little flow chart. I hope it makes sense. I am not personally a visual learner. I like words and bullet points, um, but I am both married to and friends with visual learners, um, and so appreciate how this helps people. Okay, so this is how it works. Number one, in Christ, we are sons of God. And the reason why Paul says sons here is really important. And the reason why it's sons, not sons and daughters, is because the son, the firstborn son, inherits everything. So that if you are the firstborn son within this context, in this world that Paul was writing in, you inherited everything. If you were a daughter, if you were a second, third, fourth born son, you didn't get anything. And so what Paul is saying here is saying that in Christ we are sons of God, is he saying that in Jesus, as we are saved by Jesus, that we inherit everything that God has got for us. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that there is nothing, no blessing, no thing that God has for us that he withholds now when we become children. That there is not a hierarchy of some sons and others because we actually become co-heirs with Christ himself. So that in Christ we are all sons. We are all inheritors of the promises of all that God has. And that the way that we, we inherit, the way that we receive this is through faith, that it is not through anything that we have done, it's not anything that we can do, that we inherit these things, we receive these things through faith, that we are children of God and we are children of God through faith in Christ and in all that he has done. It is a free gift of grace in our hearts and in our lives. And then this is where Paul jumps around a bit. So this would be chapter four, verses five and seven. And he says this, that because we are sons, so children, sons and daughters, but heirs, because we are children, God has sent his spirit into our hearts. So we are sons, we are children. We receive everything from God through faith 
And that as we do that, we receive the Holy Spirit in our hearts and the Holy Spirit equips us to live for Jesus, equips us to live lives for him. And he also fills us that we may experience that love. So this is what Paul says where he talks about that the spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. That the spirit comes not just that we, we may know that we are children of God, but that we may encounter and experience who God is and the life that he has won for us. So that when we say that we're children of God, it is not just a, it's not just a statement. It's not just a statement of fact. It's not just a legal kind of thing. It is an experience. It is an empowerment. It is a presence of God with us in our lives that we may know and live for him. And then what happens is, as all of that happens to us, it then reflects into our lives. It shapes some of the things that we do. And so what then Paul says is that, for as many of you as were baptized, so this idea is what happens is then we get this public declaration, right? We publicly affirm this is what has happened to us, that as we get baptized, which is as we've looked at dedications, this is what kind of we're hoping that Livy and Zeke and Paige and Isaac and Iona do, is that they put their faith in Jesus and they get baptized. And as you get baptized, it's, a symbolize, it's symbolizing what has already happened in our lives, that we die to our sin and we've been raised with Christ. But it's a public affirmation. It's this is who I am. This is what I'm standing for. This is what has happened to me. And that as we do that, we join the family of God together. We join the community of God's people across all time and all space and for all eternity. Well, that is what happens to us. And then finally, we get this thing where it says that we have put on Christ. For as many of you as were baptized have put on Christ. And so the imagery there is, is it's a lot like putting on clothes that we, we wear, we carry the presence of God with us, that we carry Christ with us, that we walk in who he is, that we walk in what he is like, we walk in what he has done, that as clothes often reflect something of who we are, something of our culture, something of what we're about, so too does our lives then reflect Christ, who he is, what he is about and what he has done for us. And it reflects into the lives around us. That this is the trajectory of the Christian life. That this is what happens as we're saved. This is the gospel and the fruits of that gospel in our lives. So if you were to summarize it, the summary would be that all that we are is sons, children of God in Christ. All that we are is sons of God in Christ, children of God in Christ, that that is the sum total of all that we are, that we have become a, a Jesus people, that we are no longer individuals or defined by other things around us, that we become a Jesus people, that it is Jesus who then defines us. And because just as, as being adopted into an earthly family isn't an individual thing, you're not adopted on your own, you're adopted into a family, so too, that works out with heavenly adoption. That as God adopts us, he adopts us into his family. And this new identity, this, this identity of becoming children of God, sons, heirs of God, it becomes the foundation of all that we are. It becomes the core of who that we are. And it becomes the sum total of all that we are as well. So 
An analogy that, that might be helpful for this is um, when, I was, when I was a kid, and so my family are here um, today, we, we used to go to Wales. It was, was and continues to be my favourite place in the world. Um, and I used to get, whenever I was in Wales, I used to get a stick of rock. Most people get it at the beach, I've since realised, but we got it in Wales. Um, and so, and in, if you were to snap open uh, a stick of rock, or if you were to slice it in half, down the middle of that stick of rock is, is written within it the, the people that made it. Okay, so it's like Brighton Rock or, or something. Okay, and so spiritually speaking, for those of us who are in Christ, if you were to spiritually split us in the middle, what we would have running through us is son is daughter, is Jesus's. That's, that's what runs through the middle. That is the sum total of all that we are. And this revelation is, is actually profound. That when, if we grasp hold of this, if we really get this, it has profound and massive implications on our lives. And this is ultimately what, what Paul then gets to in verse 28 of chapter 3. And so that's where we're going to camp now. We're going to spend the rest of our time now in verse 28 of chapter 3. And it says this, that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is this, that there is no race, there is no social class, there is no gender. You are all one. In Christ Jesus. And actually that can sound a bit jarring and it can sound a bit hard actually to hear. But what he is saying here is that he's not taking away our difference. So he's not calling us to be some kind of nationless, colorless, like wealthless, genderless blob of a people. Because actually throughout the whole of the letter of Galatians, he's been arguing the opposite. He's been saying, look, if you are Greek, if you are not Jewish, you don't have to become Jewish to become Christians. Like you, you stay Greek, be Greek. He's not, he doesn't take away our difference. And we know from the rest of scripture that God, God created difference, that God has made us as male and female, that God has, has made the races and the nations. Okay, and that in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, the apostle says that in heaven, before the throne of God, there is every nation and every tribe and every tongue and every language, and that will continue into eternity upon the new creation as well. So what Paul is saying is not that we, we do away with all difference. We don't. We celebrate difference. There is something about difference that as we come together as nations, nations of different people of different colored skin, of people from different social classes and genders, that as we come together, there's something that we receive of the, of the character of God. There's something that we see of who God is that we wouldn't see if we were all the same. We just wouldn't see it. But in our difference, we see something more of God but what Paul is saying here, and this is where it becomes incredibly profound and it's so relevant for us still today, is he's saying, but those differences is not what defines you. That's not what defines you. That if you are in Christ, you are a son of God, a child of God. That whatever else you might have as a definition of your life, whatever way that God has made you, that is not the core definition of your life. The core definition of your life, the person that you are, is a child of God. 
And that all that you are is lived out as a result of that. So, nothing of the blessing of God, nothing of taking part in his people is withheld from you because of where you're from or because of the colour of your skin. That there's no part of the family of God that is elevated above the other because of how much money you've got in your bank. And there is no part of the family of God, there is no gender within the family of God that doesn't get to be a full member, a full inheritor, and a full worker within the family of God. And within the context of the time, it is hard to overstate just how much of a big deal that was. Women were not considered full humans in most of the context. They definitely didn't inherit. They were considered subhuman within the context. Like nations, Jewish people had put themselves far above every other nation as the people of God. Like this is the context that this is speaking into. The, when Paul says this, the, the implications of it are so profound, it would shape and shape everything in people's lives. And I would, I would go as far to say that I feel like it still is shaking and shaping for us today. And the reason for that is that within our culture, that's so often what our identity is reduced to. And I just, I just want to be very clear that I am so aware this morning that as I'm speaking to these issues, that in many ways, I am the definition of a person of privilege. Like, I'm literally the definition of the I am a white, male, middle class, able-bodied, straight person. Like, I literally couldn't be more privileged. Like, and so when I'm talking and I'm saying, you know, about kind of equality and, and this is what it means to be in the family of God, I'm so aware that there are people in this room, mostly because I've spoken to people within this room whose that is not their experience of church. And I, I just want to say, I'm aware that this is a place of, like, I'm speaking from a place of privilege. I'm aware that this is not all of people's experiences. And this is ultimately what we're going to start to unpack. And just to say that, because I know that for some people, it could be hard to be hearing this from someone who looks like me. And that's OK. Like, I, I get it. I understand that that would be the case for some people. Because we just need to be honest that our culture reduces us to these things. We, re we get reduced. Our identity gets reduced. And our culture pitches it as freedom. But when what happens is we're saying that who you are, all that you are, is a black person or a white person. All that you are is working class or middle class. All that you are is being a woman or a man. Or all that you are is who you're attracted to. That's not a liberation. That's not appreciating the complexity of what it means to be a human, that all that we are made up and all that comes into our lives. That's a reduction. That's reducing us to something. And so what God is saying is he liberates us from that and says, no, that is not, you're not that thing. Those are ways that I have made you, but that's not who you are. And what we have to be so aware of as a people of God is that we are all going to come into a room with prejudices, with attitudes, with behaviors that are shaped by our culture. Because none of us are raised in a vacuum. Like, we're raised in a culture. We're raised in an environment. We're raised in a society. We're raised in a family. We're raised in an education system. And so that as we come into any group of people, we will naturally bring with us those attitudes, those, persp those perspectives, those stereotypes sometimes 
of what, what culture is like. But far be it from us, church, to judge our brothers and sisters in Christ because of the color of their skin. Or to judge our brothers and sisters in Christ because they're on benefits or because they have to have help from a food bank. Far be it from us to, to judge our brothers and sisters in Christ because of what gender they are. That's not who we are. We're a Jesus people. We are children of God. We're inheritors of the promises of God. And he withholds none of those blessings, none of his blessings from those of us who are his. So far be it from us to withhold them from our own brothers and sisters. It's not for us to do that. It's for us to release our brothers and sisters to be all that God has created them to be. And I just want us to imagine this morning what a witness this would be if we lived these lives out. If we lived out our identity in a world where people have to declare as a statement that black lives matter. In a world where George Floyd gets killed on a camera. In a world where the Stephen Lawrence inquiry took ages to even get close to revealing the truth. In a world where child Q is completely humiliated in a place where she was supposed to be safe. Can you imagine what a witness this would be if we as a people were not defining one another and, this, and, and saying that this is who they are, but saying, no, you are my brother, you're my sister, you're a child of God, you're an inheritor of the promise. Can you imagine what this would look like as a witness to a world where there's austerity and where there's a crisis of living standards, where there's food banks and fuel banks and homelessness and this ever-widening gap between classes? Can you imagine what it would look like for a people who just fiercely and ferociously loved one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and released one another into what God has for them. Can you imagine what a witness that would be to the world? Can you imagine what a witness it would be into a world where there's a ridiculous gender pay gap, where there's, we see deaths of people like Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa, where there's this epidemic of fatherlessness, where there's human trafficking of hashtag me too and the constant sexual degradation of women. Can you imagine the witness of a church who define themselves not by those things, but through being children of God and inheritors of the promise? If that we lived out our primary identity passionately and ferociously and just goes, no, this is who I am. That these, there's other things that are part of who I am, that God's created me and celebrates those. And I'm going to be able to celebrate those things, those parts of me. But it, who I am is as a child of God, as an inheritor of him. And it would look like the kingdom of God come on earth. Right? It would look like heaven on earth. And it's the point that, that Paul is making here is not that this is something to aspire to. This is not something that we one day will become. No, we are inheritors. No, we are sons, and God of children, sons of God. We are children of God now, here, in this moment, for those of us who are in Christ. This is not something we walk into, it's something that we walk, those of us who are in Christ. This is not something we walk into, it's something that we walk out of because of who we are. And just to finish with Jesus, that Jesus embodied this, that Jesus in his culture and his time loved, challenged and cared for Samaritans and Romans and Syrophoenicians, that Jesus cared for the poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame, the beggars. 
that Jesus had women within his inner circle, had women who were the first people to witness his resurrection, was supported financially by women, that Jesus himself embodied this because Jesus saw people as God sees them. He defines people as God defines people. And we are his people. We are Jesus' people. We are co-heirs with him and children of the same heavenly father. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you that Jesus is the exact representation of you. Lord, that we know that we're loved. Lord, that we know that we're whole. Lord, we know that you, Lord, have given us parts of who we are that are celebrated and reveal something of you that we get more together than we get apart. But Lord, would you give us grace? God, give us grace to love one another like you love us. Lord, give us grace to, to be released as the sons, the children of God, to inherit that what you have. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, convict us, Lord, of any belief, of any attitude, Lord, which is ungodly, which is based upon what society defines people as, not of what you define people as. Lord, we, we pray you would call us to repentance. Lord, call us to action in that repentance this week. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to ferociously and passionately live out this identity and love one another, that we may be your church, your witness to this world. In your name. Amen.